Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. I'm aware of the questions that people have, and I am aware of the fear and anxiety among other people regarding the end times. Some of the anxiety actually is within the people of God, but also the people of the world. And there's much being spoken and much being shared on social media platforms and on the internet regarding the mark of the beast, specifically regarding the COVID vaccine and whether it's the mark of the beast. So this morning I'm speaking on the Antichrist and the mark of the beast. What does the Bible say? Now there are some listening today who have an anxiety and a fear regarding the vaccine, the end times, the mark of the beast, but you haven't spoken to anyone. You feel a little bit foolish maybe saying that you have an anxiety. Maybe you've been a believer for a long time and you should think that maybe you should know this. But this message is for you. I felt a very strong impression by the Holy Spirit last weekend as I was preparing for last weekend that I needed this weekend this Sunday, to talk about the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast. And so I went ahead on Monday when, I, when we had our staff meeting and spoke with the staff and just said, hey, this is what's been on my mind. This is what's been on my heart. What do, what do you think? You think this is something that I should do? And as we discussed and as I spoke with uh, Pastor Evan and Christy and Mr. Jack just about what they're hearing online or amongst others, it became apparent to me that this is the direction that the Holy Spirit wanted me to go. So I've been in prayer all week about this message. And at the close of the message, if you are one who has anxiety right now regarding the end times, the, the mark, the antichrist, I'm going to give you some very practical advice from the scripture as to how to respond to the rising fear and anxiety that you have or listen or others that you know. Maybe this information is not specifically for you today, but you're going to run across someone or you know someone that you're going to be able to help 
uh, overcome anxiety possibly or help understand what the Bible says. Um, I asked those who were greeting today specifically to pass out the note sheet. And one of the reasons I did is for this very specific purpose, that you would have some information when somebody else asked you about these things or they start talking about it. You can say, well, our pastor just talked about that, and I have the note sheet. And here's what he had to say. So would you bow with me in prayer, and then let's get into God's word this morning. Lord Jesus, you revealed to us that there will be an antichrist. There will be a mark. And Lord, you want us to be aware of these things, but not fearful. And so this morning, as we take a look at your word, help me to communicate in a way that people will find rest for their souls, those that are anxious, in Jesus' name. Now, when you're talking about the end times, many people are unaware that what takes place at the end, you can only get, a, get an understanding of it by studying the entire Bible. You cannot just go to one book like the book of Revelations and get the entire picture. 23 of 27 New Testament books speak of the return of Jesus at the end times. So it's all through the New Testament. Jesus spent chapters talking about the end. The Old Testament, as well as the New Testament, have passages that deal with the end times. Even half of the book of Daniel is devoted to the time of the end, the very end. So it takes time to study the entire Bible, to see what God revealed about the end times. And it also takes time to understand the symbolism in the passages. So if you are one who says, boy, the end times, I just don't understand it, join the crowd. There's a lot to understand. Some people, some pastors, some scholars devote their entire careers to studying and writing regarding the end. And of course, every generation, not just our generation, but every generation looks to see if we might be the generation that's living in this period. And so we're looking at current events and biblical events and seeing, hmm, is this the time of the end? So we're going to look at the scripture today. Now, while there are many passages in the Old and New Testament that speak of the end times, there are fewer that speak of the man called Antichrist. He's actually also called the son of perdition, the man of lawlessness, the abomination which causes desolation, as well as other names. And one of his names is the beast. And we'll get to that in a moment. But this thing called the mark of the beast, however, is found only in one book, of the Bible, and it is found very specifically in Revelations chapter 13, and then it's mentioned throughout Revelation all the way till the, I believe it's the 19th chapter. Last night before going to sleep, I went back and I read virtually the entire book of Revelations. I read chapter 4 through chapter 21, just again to get a sense of the scope of the end times and where this is mentioned. Now, there is not enough time for me to get into everything about the Antichrist, the beast, the man of perdition, same guy, from all the other New Testament passages, and even in the book of Revelation. So I am choosing this morning to be very selective 
in the choice of passages because there are three or four points that I really sense the Holy Spirit wants me to make, and so I'm only going to be choosing verses that help explain these things. In fact, when you see the text on the screen, you'll see a lot of dot, dot, dots where I've omitted some phrases that while they're important in the full study, are not important for our study this morning. So don't think that I'm, I'm, I'm uh, cutting this stuff out because I don't like it. I just don't have time to explain it all. So, are you ready? Well, thank you, John. One of you is ready. Get your note sheet. The Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast. What does the Bible say? Here we go. First question. Who is the beast? Who is the beast? And I'm not referring to Kings Island roller coaster. There are actually two beasts that rise. The first is the Antichrist. And the second is the false prophet. We'll deal with the beast first. The beast is a man. He is a world ruler empowered by the devil. Now, he does not reveal himself to be the Antichrist. He claims to be God. He claims to be God on earth. Very possibly, he's going to claim to be the Messiah come to earth. And because he claims to be God, he is to be worshipped. Revelation chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. Then I saw a beast rise up out of the sea. And the dragon, the dragon is uh, Satan, and the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. The whole world marveled and gave allegiance to the beast. They worshipped the dragon for giving the beast such power, and they worshipped the beast. Who is as great as the beast, they exclaimed. Who is able to fight against him? A world ruler rises, a world ruler empowered by the devil himself. Uh, Stanley Horton in his commentary on Re Revelation says this regarding the beast or the Antichrist. His purpose will be to gain religious, political, and economic power over the entire world when he appears in the tribulation period. That's the Antichrist. That's the first beast. Revelation 13, starting in verse 11, goes on and says this. Then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast. He did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to earth from the sky while everyone was watching. And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to this world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. He was then permitted to give life to the statue so that it could speak. Then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. These two individuals, empowered by the devil himself, will succeed in gaining power virtually over the whole world. Now, you may ask this, and maybe you haven't thought about this, but I'm going to answer it whether you thought about it or not. How do I know that the beast is not a political system? 
How do I know that the beast is not a technological marvel? Many decades ago, there was a computer that was developed, a supercomputer, which probably in those days was a supercomputer. And the actual name of the supercomputer was the beast. And I remember in the late 70s or early 80s, people saying, there's the beast. The beast is here. It's a supercomputer. No. The beast is a man. The false prophet is a man. How do I know that they're not a political or technological system? Because both are thrown into the lake of fire when Jesus comes to battle them and their army. Systems are never thrown into the lake of fire. Only people, the devil, and demons. Revelation 19, verses 19 and 20. Um, this is at the end. Jesus has returned to the earth. He's on a white horse. His army has come with him, and they're there to battle the armies of Antichrist, the beast. This takes place at the end of the period of time we call the tribulation, and I'll talk a bit more of that in a moment. But in verse 19 of chapter 19, it says, Then I saw the beast... And the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. The one sitting on the horse, of course, is Jesus. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. Miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and the false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. A political system is not alive. A technological wonder is not alive. These are men who rise. The Antichrist and the false prophet. So who is the beast? Actually, there are two beasts. The first is Antichrist, and the second is the false prophet. Second question to answer today, when do the Antichrist and false prophet come to power, and when is the mark of the beast created and taken? When is the mark of the beast created and taken? During the second three and a half years of the tribulation. During the second three and a half years of the tribulation, the beast, Antichrist, reigns for the final 42 months of the tribulation and is then defeated by Jesus. Look at Revelation chapter 13, verse 5. Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God, and he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months, three and a half years. That's his reign. That is the time that he will reign on earth, three and one half years. And then we've already read what happens to him at the end the armies of our Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus, he's captured, and he and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire. Third question this morning in your notes, what is the mark of the beast? What is the mark of the beast? It is a permanent mark on the right hand or on the forehead. Taking it signifies allegiance to the Antichrist. Taking it signifies allegiance to the Antichrist. Once again, Revelation chapter 13, starting in verse 16. He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without the mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is six, six, six. 
Now, much has been speculated about what 666 is. There's been numerology applied in Greek, in Hebrew, in other languages to people's names coming up with 666 is, is the letters of this person's name. We don't know exactly how this applies. We've been trying to figure it out for the centuries. Even back in biblical times, they thought Nero might have been the beast, and they tried to figure out how his name might add up to 666. But whatever his name is, or however the number is, those who take the mark of the beast will have a permanent mark on their right hand or their forehead. And it is a mark of allegiance. It is also probably a mark of worship. It could even be described as a mark of ownership. What the people are saying who take the mark of the beast is this. I worship the beast. I worship Antichrist. I am his. He is God and I worship him. Now, it's also required of people to buy and sell, so maybe some are going to take it that they can stay in business. But the Bible has the same fate for all who take the mark of the beast, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Now, please understand, not everyone will take the mark of the beast. Not everyone will swear allegiance to the Antichrist. In this time, there will be Followers of God, both Jew and Gentile, still on planet Earth. And they are going to be put in a very precarious situation. They will not take the mark. They will refuse to worship the Antichrist. And the world gets a chance to not take the mark because in Revelation 14, the people on planet Earth will be warned not to. To take the mark. In Revelation 14, three angels fly over the earth with a warning. The first proclaims the eternal gospel and proclaims that people need to worship God only and that he is coming to judge the world. The second angel proclaims that Babylon has fallen and the third angel flies and shouts this warning. Revelation 14, starting in verse 9. Then a third angel followed them shouting, anyone who worships the beast and his statue and who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the right hand must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath. And they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night, for they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. Verse 12. This means that God's holy people, the holy people that are still on earth, <coughs> must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. There will be great martyrdom that takes place during this time for those who refuse the mark of the beast and who refuse to worship the statue, and the beast. Very, very brief overview of this slice of the end time. But it's a slice I wanted to share with you. I wanted to share with those who will join online or 
you might want to share this message with other people. But now let's get to the question that has been floating around a lot on social media that the vaccine is the mark of the beast. So here's the question. Is the vaccine the mark of the beast? Is the vaccine the mark of the beast? Number one, you can't have a mark without a beast. Based on what we have learned and read in the Bible, who alive right now is the beast? Who's the world leader? Where is this man of lawlessness empowered by the devil himself? Where is he? Point him or her out. More than likely, it'll be a he, because the Bible refers to him as the man of lawlessness. Point them out. If you don't have a beast, you can't have a mark. And remember, it's not a political system. It's not a technological system. The Bible declares him both in Old and New Testament. Jesus calls him a man. Daniel called him a man. The New Testament calls him a man. He is a man. Point him out, please. And maybe you have somebody in mind. If so, when he rises to power, because I don't know of anybody on planet Earth right now that fits this criteria, then you can have a mark. So you can't have a mark without a beast. Number two, you can't take the mark of the beast unless we are in the second half of the tribulation. The beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet come to power in the second half of the tribulation. The Bible is very clear that when they come to power, they will reign for um, 42 months. They're going to reign for three and a half years. I don't have time to get into the full scope of the tribulation, but there is a period of time that the Bible reveals will take place at the end called the tribulation. It is clearly, according to the word of God, both Old and New Testament, seven years long. The last 42 months, the last three and a half years of the tribulation is when the beast and the false prophet rise and when the mark of the beast is developed. So you can't take the mark of the beast unless we are currently in the second half of the tribulation. Now, last night when I went back and I read virtually the entire book of Revelation, I wanted to find out some of what was going to be happening in the first three and a half years because if we believe that the vaccine is the mark of the beast, then we're in the second three and a half years of the tribulation. Um, I haven't seen things fall from the sky and make the waters of the earth bitter, a third of the waters of the earth. I have not seen the grass burn up. I have not seen something fall into the sea and one-third of the sea creatures die. I haven't seen one-fourth of the population of the earth annihilated with pestilence and war. That all takes place in the first three and a half years, plus more. Also, what takes place in the first three and a half years is the rise of the two prophets who will be in Jerusalem. They are removed before the Antichrist rises. So, based on what the scripture reveals about the time of tribulation, are we in the second half? Because you can't take the mark of the beast unless we're in the second half of the tribulation. Number three, is the vaccine the mark of the beast? The mark is not accidentally taken. 
The mark is not accidentally taken. It is a sign of worship and devotion to the beast. If you take the mark, you will know you are taking it. Remember, there's an angel that flies and warns people not to receive the mark and the consequences of receiving it. There will be a supernatural warning given to people of earth who are around at this time. Many will not. They will have already died in the first half of the tribulation. The mark is not accidentally taken. And I'm, I'm just going to stop here for a second. There have been, and I'm going to talk about this again a little bit later, but there have been some folks um, that I have heard of that took the vaccine, or at least the first dose of the vaccine, and then someone said, but don't you know that it's the mark of the beast? And then they would send them to some things online that somebody was saying, this is this, and this is that, and this is the other. And fear would set in their heart that they have accidentally taken the mark of the beast. I don't know who you are. You can't accidentally take it. You will take it knowingly. And you will knowingly choose to worship the beast. Number four. The Antichrist and the false prophet do not rise to power until after the rapture. The Antichrist and the false prophet do not rise to power until after the rapture. The rapture is that moment, and I believe it is the next major prophetic event that will hit planet Earth. The rapture is that moment when Jesus appears in the sky. All who are alive in Christ meet him in the air. The dead in Christ rise. Whether you are a pre-tribulation rapture person or whether you're a mid-tribulation rapture person, the rapture occurs before the rise of the beast and the false prophet and the mark of the beast. If you're a post-tribulation rapture person, then you'll be a part of those who remain on earth, but you're still warned. There are very, very few scholars, that, and some of you are saying, what, what's this mid and pre and post? It's things that I don't have time to teach about. But the majority of scholars who read the end time scenarios and create end times timelines, I'm one who has spent some time studying it. I believe that we will be raptured before the beginning of the tribulation. I am pre-tribulation, that the trumpet of God will sound, there will be a shout, the dead in Christ will rise, and those who are alive at his coming will be instantly changed and we will meet him in the air. And that signals the beginning of the seven-year period of time called the tribulation. The second three and a half years is when the beast and the Antichrist rise. Now, if the Antichrist and the false prophet do not rise to power until after the rapture, I'm still here, you're still here, and unless you believe that the rapture has taken place, the vaccine nor anything else currently on planet Earth right now can be the mark of the beast. Can't be. We're still here. Is technology in place right now for the creation of a mark? Probably. Probably. But I'm not going to worry about it. Because I'm not going to be here. 
And if for some reason myself and a lot of other biblical scholars, not that I'm putting myself in the same category as others as a biblical scholar, but if we end up having to walk through the time of the tribulation, I know that God and his spirit will be there to help us. But I have read through the scenarios. I've read through Jesus' words. I don't have time to teach on the rapture. However, last February I did. And there's a, a series of messages that you'll find on our website called Caught Up. And I spent three weeks talking about what is the rapture, when will it take place, why do I believe it will take place at that time. You can go to our church YouTube page and watch these. There's a, there's a playlist called End Times. You can find it. Or at 11.45 in 45 minutes, you will find a link on our church Facebook page that will take you to lesson one about the rapture. And you can click on that link, and it'll take you to the, face, or the YouTube page, and then you can find the other two messages there. Um, it's, uh, the series is called Caught Up. The first part is what is the rapture? Part two, why is the rapture necessary? And part three, when will the rapture take place? And I, sorry, I preached those in, in October of 2020. And then just another series that I did because I believe that we are in this period of time in February of this year, I preached a series of messages called Divided, The Rise of the False. Because the, the, the time frame that I believe that we are in right now, we are moving into, if we have not already gotten there, the, what's called the great falling away or the great apostasy. Where there will be a falling away of many, many, many believers or Christians and there will be the false church rising. That takes place just before the end times. That's where I believe we are in the end time scenario of things. However, other people over the centuries have thought that they were in the very last days and we're all still here. So again, I live as if today will be my last and I plan as if I have another 20, 30, 40 years in which to live. That's the way we're to live. We're to always be ready. Let me just talk a little bit. First of all, this message is not designed to be pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine. This message is pro an understanding of the word of God. That's what this is about. Because when people make statements online that said that the vaccine is the mark of the beast, they cannot make those statements with an understanding of the word of God. I want you, of this church, those of you that are watching, to at least understand what the Word of God says regarding this very important topic. I'm not anti-vaccine, I'm not pro-vaccine, but I am pro an understanding of the Word of God, and I am anti-unnecessary fear and anxiety. There is so much unnecessary fear and anxiety that has risen up in our land and in other places about vaccines and other things that don't line up with God's word. I am against, I am anti-unnecessary fear and anxiety. Now, people have many reasons to take the vaccine, and others have many reasons not to take the vaccine. 
Your reason may be that it was developed and approved too quickly. You're uncertain of the long-term impact that the vaccine's going to have. You may have feelings of being forced to take the vaccine, and that violates your rights. If these are your reasons, that's fine. But don't be anxious because you think that you might have taken the mark of the beast. Because you biblically cannot. At least that don't let that come into your reasoning. 2 Timothy chapter 1, 7. These verses are in your notes. They're coming up on the screen. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Whenever anxiety and fear begin to permeate your heart, not all of us are going to have fears from time to time. We walk into a place and a snake slithers by. Guess what? I have fear. Especially if it's a copperhead or a rattlesnake. Like, I have fear. It might be a garter snake. I don't know the difference very well between a copperhead and a garter snake. I have anxiety, but it doesn't last. You're a mannequin in the lobby. There's been more than one day where out of the corner of my eye, <laughs> when all the lights are off in here, I see the mannequin that was set up for the blue tassel thing. Boom. Something just jumped. I've gotten used to it now, but we actually we had a, a prayer meeting in here. The pastors and I, uh, we, we pray uh, once a month together, some of our local pastors, and, and they had all gathered, and, and we were praying in here, and somebody looked up and, and jumped when they saw the mannequin in the, uh, in the lobby. So we all can have incidents of fear, but when fear begins to close in on your heart, anxiety begins to close in on your heart, you live with a constant dread. It's not from God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you are constantly fearful and anxious, and it doesn't just have to be about the end times, it can just be about other things, then I'm going to encourage you, you need to go to God and ask him to give you what he gives, power, love, and a sound mind, so that that fear can be defeated. And it won't go away overnight. I have lived, even in my Christian walk, and I'll just share this personally, I have lived, even in my Christian walk, especially when I was young in the Lord, with long-term brooding anxiety and fear. I just lived with it. It was just kind of like a cloud that hung over me. I thought it was normal. I worried about this, and I worried about that, and I was anxious about this, and I was anxious about that. But as I read God's word, as I began to understand what it said, and specifically when I read 2 Timothy 1.7, that God has not given a spirit of fear, I began to come against that spirit of fear, and I began to ask God to manifest what he gives, a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And I was able to defeat that thing that for so long I lived with before I came to Christ and then stayed there after I came for Christ. The second passage is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, where it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Listen, I think the mark of the beast falls into this category. 
Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious about the mark of the beast. Don't be anxious about the vaccine. Don't be anxious if we're moving into the final days, the end times. If you're a believer this morning, be anxious for nothing. That's no thing. No thing. Nothing. But in everything, all of those things that cause anxiety, sir, anxiety is going to come, fear is going to come, and all those things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's the results. As you do this, as you begin to break through, this was another verse I used when I dealt with this long-term anxiety that hung over my life. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I wanted that peace. And so I had to choose, when anxiety came up, to be anxious for nothing. I had to choose, when fear came up, that, that overall fear, not the snake thing or the mannequin thing in the lobby, that fear. I needed to take everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving to God. And the fear and the anxiety began to turn into peace. Don't be anxious about the vaccine. Take your concerns about it to the Father. Pray. Ask for wisdom. And then make a decision. This is a concern that I have in the body of Christ. People are making decisions for or against the vaccine based on what they are reading, what they are hearing on social media. Have they taken their concerns to God? After you have fully sought the Lord and his will for you, now here, this is, this is key. After you have fully sought the Lord, and his will for you, if you decide your personal rights are being violated, or you believe the vaccine is not adequately tested, or you disagree with how it was developed and what it contains, then don't take it. If after you have fully sought the Lord and his will for you, and you are comfortable with the vaccine, please get it. If you've already received the vaccine and have some anxiety, because you have taken it, then seek the Lord and allow him to speak peace into your hearts. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm just going to make a statement here. I believe that many anxious and fearful people have filled their minds with information, data, and opinions and have spent little time praying and seeking God. And the peace of God is not a part of their decision. Reverend Craig Goschel makes this statement. It's not going to come up on the screen. I'll read it a couple times so you can hear it. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. As you think, so you become. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. As you think, so you become. What are your strongest thoughts? 
Many people have filled their hearts and minds with fear and anxiety-producing thoughts, and they have become their strong thoughts. And because of the way that social media works, if you've clicked on this, you're going to see more of it. And if you've clicked on that, you're going to see more of that. That's how the, the social media work. And what happens is you begin to fill your mind with more and more and more of certain things. Your life is always... See, it's not just your thoughts. Your life begins to move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. If your strongest thoughts are worry-producing, if your strongest thoughts are about a relationship that you're either trying to develop or is falling apart, and you spend all of your time thinking about that, it's going to impact the direction of your life. You need for your strongest thoughts to be formed by God's Word. And that's what I have to do when I start finding my thoughts going in a direction. What does the word of God say? Because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts as you think, so you become. The team would make their way up to the platform, please. I'm just going to ask that you bow your heads. I want to pray scripture over you today, specifically these two scriptures regarding anxiety and fear. Lord, we confess, I confess over this church that there is not one person who is a follower of yours that you have given a spirit of fear. If there is an overriding spirit of fear and anxiety in their life, they know that it comes from the enemy or it comes from their own worrisome heart. But Lord, it does not come from you. Lord, you give power. You give love. And you give a sound mind. If there is an individual here in the building or watching online who says that they have a spirit of fear, their life is consumed with fear, may they in this moment take that to you. Break it. Begin to look for your spirit. In fact, I command in the name of Jesus that spirits of fear would be broken in the lives of men and women of God who suffer with fear and anxiety. If that's you this morning, just accept my confession over you. Spirit of fear be broken. Spirit of fear be crushed. Because it doesn't come from God doesn't come from God. And people of God, I pray that, Lord, we would be anxious for no thing. Nothing. But Lord, we can't be anxious for nothing unless we do what you tell us to do, that we need to take everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, that we need to take these, all of our requests, all of our fears, all of our anxieties, we make them known to you, God. And Lord, may your peace, which surpasses all understanding, send it this morning to guard our hearts and minds. Father, I pray for the individual this morning in this room whose heart and mind is not at peace. I pray that supernaturally you would release 
peace into their hearts as they take all of their requests to you. Lord, may they learn to retrain their thoughts and to not dwell upon the anxiety that they feel, to not dwell upon the fears, to not dwell upon the news, to not dwell upon things that feed their fear. May they dwell upon your word and dwell upon praying to you, O God, that your peace, your peace may rule in their hearts and their minds. You would guard their hearts and their minds through Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you have given us all of the information that we need to know regarding the end times in your word. It is here. And Lord, Paul said to the church at Thessalonica that talking about the end times was to be used as an encouragement to one another. Lord, I pray that what I've shared this morning will be able to encourage hearts and souls, both right now and as people watch it over the coming weeks. Lord God, May they be encouraged because we know that ultimately our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is coming. We who are alive and those who have died in Christ will meet him in the air. And Lord, we know that you will judge this earth. But we will not be here. And ultimately, Lord, you will set up a brand new heaven and a brand new earth where we will be with you forever. Thank you for this opportunity to share these thoughts this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.